Welcome to My Business Playbook, where we pull back the curtain on the steps and missteps of successful people. You'll hear a raw and unfiltered play-by-play of what's worked and what hasn't, giving you helpful advice and insights so you can create an amazing business. I'm your host, Laura Higgins, and this is My Business Playbook. Hello and welcome back to My Business Playbook. This conversation is a good one. I am so excited about this. I've just finished recording this convo and it's inspiring. I feel like, oh, you guys are going to love it. Today, we are joined by Jack DeLosa, who is the founder of The Entourage. He's an award-winning entrepreneur. He's a high-profile investor. He's been on the AFR Young Rich list five times. Crazy. But what I love about Jack is he really believes that growing and learning how to grow a business is a skill and it's one that you can actually learn. And so what he does at The Entourage, he and his team, they teach over half a million business owners and entrepreneurs across the world, teaching them how to actually run a successful business. It's amazing what they do. So today in my conversation with Jack, we're going to be talking about how to build a vision-driven business and actually how to build your vision, mission and values of your business. Really, really practical, really helpful information. And then we're also, Jack's also going to be sharing how to get out of that overwhelmed state. So if you feel like you're grinding, if you feel like you're stuck in the task mode, the management mode, the technician land, and you want to kind of get up to that next level, that entrepreneur leadership level, this conversation is for you. I kind of think about it like if you're climbing a ladder and if you think of your business as a ladder and you're on one rung and your hands are full, you actually can't take the next step to the next rung above until you take your hands off a bit. And I know what it feels like to be at that point in your business. So if that's where you're at, this conversation is going to help you so much. Okay, we're going to get into it. Here's my conversation with the wonderful Jack DeLosa of The Entourage. Jack, welcome to the show. It's so good to have you with me today. How are you? Laura Higgins, it is amazing <laughs> to be here. Thank you for having me. I am uh, incredibly well. This little squad casting, uh, the technology that we're using to connect today uh, that you've brilliantly set up has labelled me exuberant leader. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very happy about that. And uh, you thought that I'd said set that as your name. <laughs> Which, <laughs> I didn't realise that Squadcast I mean, automatically randomises people's names. Yeah. And so I was just wondering who gave me the title. I mean, I, I like it. I could I, I, I could integrate it into my life yeah, further. It could be your new Instagram bio. I mean, <laughs> I think it's. I think it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> it's a little bit self-complimentary, I think, if one sort of exuberant. gives themselves the title. I think we should use... <laughs> We should use the word exuberant a little bit more because I think it's fantastic. It is, it is underused. Underused. It, it's underused and underrated. <laughs> I think you're quite exuberant. Thank you. Well, yeah, so I love that you were like, did you give me that title or did my team give me that title yeah. or like... I know. Uh, yeah, I, I was quite... Squadcast gave it to you. Yeah, Squadcast gave it to you and, uh, you know, it's fitting. It makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> so Jack tell us about your business what the heck do you do and how did you start because I know you've got a pretty crazy story so tell us about 
what you guys do at the Entourage and how you started. Yeah, well, uh, you know, I've always been a, a, a business owner and investor, uh, both successfully and unsuccessfully. <laughs> uh, and in 2010, <laughs> I started a uh, company called The Entourage and started out of dissatisfaction and inspiration, dissatisfaction out of just how little we do culturally to catalyze and enable and support entrepreneurs and innovators to do their thing. Yeah. Uh, and inspiration in that I'd, I'd had had probably three or four businesses prior to the entourage and my company prior to the entourage was a company called MBE and we would help small to medium-sized businesses raise money from investors, acquire businesses, build value to exit. Uh, and MBE had given me a really good foundation. You know, we'd helped our clients sort of raise over $300 million. We'd become one of Australia's fastest growing companies. It gave me uh, access to a really good network. And so I was convinced that if I were to build something that enabled uh, entrepreneurs at any stage of their journey, uh, the opportunity to connect with the best entrepreneurs and advisors in the world who all carried with them, been there, done that experience, that we could really help tilt the needle in the trajectory of small to medium-sized businesses all over Australia. And so that's what we've done. Today, we're Australia's largest um, business coaching and training institution. We've got 500,000 members uh, all around the world in over 10 countries now. And essentially, what we do is we work with smart, capable entrepreneurs. Uh, the average sort of revenue of, of the business that comes to us is about 3.5. Now, that ranges from anywhere from a couple of hundred grand up to about $50 million. But, uh, but the, the median is around 3.5. And it's essentially people that are very good at what they do, but they want help in how do I build a commercially scalable business model around what I do? And so, yeah. you know, the world's full of accountants who are great accountants and personal trainers who are great personal trainers and designers who are great designers uh, and tech companies who are great at building tech or consulting companies that are great consultants. The question is, where does one go to learn how to build a structurally sound company that can scale in a sustainable way and scale in a way that's not dependent on the founder driving everything. So how do you go from, you know, that sort of startup y style business, regardless of what revenues you might be doing, uh, to that sort of scale up more mature company where you've built an ecosystem that can scale beyond you? That's what we specialize in at the entourage. And that's so good because I I did the entourage, I think it was I had just started. 2015. Honestly, right? yeah. 2015. Yeah. And I was 23, mm. I think. And honestly, I actually don't even really know how I got in <laughs> because I feel like I was like, <laughs> I don't even know, you know, I was kind of like, I don't even know how I found myself here. And I remember distinctly, yeah. I was like, I'm good at, at that point I was doing social media management and I was like, I'm good at managing social media. I'm, I'm good at marketing, have no 100%. idea about running a business, no idea. And so 100%. I came yeah. to you guys and I remember in one of the first um, like classes, it was like, okay, cool. How do you scale your business? And like scale, 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 blah, blah, blah. And I was going, what is scaling? <laughs> I didn't know what the, I didn't know what the term <laughs> meant. It. And so I was like, I you know, it. everyone else is kind of nodding and I'm furiously writing notes going actually like note to self figure out what the heck scaling is because apparently we need to do it like jack i had no idea no idea what i was I doing i love it that is so cool <laughs> 
That reminds me, when I started my first business at the age of 18, I didn't know what an invoice was. <laughs> and I had to ask my business partner at the time, what was an invoice? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so it's, but it's so funny, isn't it? When you start something, I love what you guys are about because like you can study business at university, but you don't, that doesn't mean you know how to run a business. And I think, you know, for someone like me who was so green, had no idea, but loved the technical side of what I did, it was so helpful to go to a place that was like, okay, here's how, here's how to actually onboard clients. Here's how to sell things, you know, like the sales side of it. Yeah. Yeah. What a concept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seriously. On the topic of university, I mean, I think it's worse than you don't learn. I, it's worse. That, it's not a waste of time and money. It's worse than that. You actually learn how to fit in at a corporation, mm. which is an entirely different ball game yeah. to how do you start and build a company from zero or from one or two, three, five million, right? It, it's an entirely different conversation. Small businesses are not just smaller versions of big businesses. They are categorically different ball games, yeah. right? And so one of the things that I did, it was probably back in 2015 when, when you were rocking and rolling with the entourage, is I was scouring the world for the best uh, universities in the world that taught entrepreneurship because I knew that universities in Australia didn't teach it mm. well at all. Mm. And so I went with uh, my then director of education, who today is uh, the, my CEO in the entourage, uh, Tim Morris, who I know you know as well, Laura. Yeah. And so he and I went over to – I'm just wondering whether I say the name. I will, I'll, I'll, you know, because it's just the truth of our journey. We went over to Babson College, who are held up globally mm-hmm. as the best – university in teaching entrepreneurship and so you know they're in boston so they're, they're next to harvard and mit and all the all the really impressive universities you know they did this well they did this thing where they invite you know people that teach entrepreneurship from all over the world you go to babson for 10 days and, and they kind of teach you their curriculum and stuff and there was there was one topic entrepreneurial finance and it's designed well they say it's designed for startup business you know businesses from let's say one to ten million dollars in annual revenue and you and the case studies they're using you're looking at balance sheets with 300 billion dollars on them (laughs) and and we're talking about financial instruments and mechanisms for balance sheets with 300 billion dollars on the balance sheet and so tim and i took i mean this happened in every topic but we took real issue to this and, and, and 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 raised it in these lectures with with the presenter and saying but but this because obviously, like we at the entourage, we teach thousands of small to medium sized businesses mm. every year. But not, not only do we run small to medium sized businesses ourselves, not only do we invest in them, not only do we sit on boards, but we also coach and train them through the entourage. And so we we've got a lot of visibility inside small to medium sized businesses, and and it kind of angers me a little bit that 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 an institution that is held up as so prestigious, particularly one that's held up as the best in the world, is going, we're the best in the world at this. And in entrepreneurial finance, you're looking to balance it with $300 billion in it. And so the question we ask is, are you teaching entrepreneurial finance or are you teaching finance? Because totally. there's a difference. And right now you're teaching finance, masquerading as entrepreneurial finance, and that's fucking damaging. Sorry, yeah. Laura, to uh, <laughs> swear, but it's, it's, re- it's really damaging. Yeah. And, and so people – invest hundreds of thousands of dollars in these degrees and go out into the world thinking they don't know how to run a business and they are further behind than if they did nothing. Yeah. And I kind of get this because sometimes it's like, well, I'll pay all that money to solve a problem. So I'll pay the money, do the course, and then I'll be an expert in that. But 
it's far more work than that. And I think what you guys, the way that you've set up your membership is it's actually, you know, very hands-on. You've got people, not only do you have the people who are coaching and running the sessions, you've also got other business Mm. owners kind of going, oh yeah, I do it like that. And, Mm. you know, this is how we did it. And it's kind of this um, training ground with other people who are in the trenches with you. 100%. Well, the question question we ask ourselves is, what does, if, if you've got a human being who's an entrepreneur, what is everything that they need in and around themselves in order to become the person that they dream of becoming and in order to become a great entrepreneur? And then, and you, so you start with that question and then everything else that you see in the entourage is the answer to that question. And so it's even evolved a little, well, it's evolved a lot since 2015, which, you know, today if you come into uh, you know, Accelerate or Elevate programs, which is our programs for six and seven figure business owners, respectively. You know, you've got a dedicated one on one business coach. We've been there, done that experience, advising mm. every step of the way. So you always know the best next step. You always know exactly what to do. Yeah. And when, when things go wrong, you've got somebody to talk to. Behind them is a team of business coaches if you ever need somebody with a different specialty. Behind them is a team of 32 different experts who are practitioners out in their field. So there's Facebook experts, Google experts, recruitment experts, sales experts, ops experts, legal experts, accounting experts, finance experts, uh, management leaders, anything you can think of in business, there's an expert that you can engage in in your business journey. Uh, And then you've got workshops for you and your entire team because it's not not enough for one to elevate or must elevate, right? And so uh, there's all the training that you need if you ever want to go deep into particular fields across all the different areas of business. And then there's a community, right, of six, seven and eight figure business owners. And so it's literally like, and this is why I think, this is what I think every education institution, I no longer call us an education institution because we're coaching and training, which is far more practical and hands-on. But but if we extend it back to the Babson analogy, every education institution in the world has a responsibility to ask themselves the question, how do we set up this ecosystem so that if somebody steps into it, they cannot not grow in every single area of their business. And if you're not achieving that, then I think you're letting down the people that are coming through. Totally. And I I also really, you shared something recently on Instagram that I really resonated with because there's this, I guess it's this tension, isn't it? Because as the business owner, you're responsible for everything. You know, you're responsible for the finances, you're responsible for making sure that the team are healthy and managing all the people and making sure clients and customers are happy. Like it's a very, it's such a big breadth of skills that you need to have and that in itself can be a little overwhelming. And I find myself, you you know, like now as our team grows and all those things, it's as it grows, there's kind of a new set of problems that I face. And so you shared something recently that really resonated with me and it was about, it was on Instagram and you, you were talking about the five reasons why people feel overwhelmed by their business. Can you talk us through mm. each of these things? Because I think, you know, mm. the connection between learning all these skills and realising that we're not just technicians as small business owners, we're not just, as you said, designers or accountants or marketing experts, we actually are HR, we're the legal department, we're all Mm. these things. Mm. So can you talk us through those five 
reasons why people feel overwhelmed? Absolutely. So I'll, I'll sort of I'll talk about it broadly and, and, and perhaps we'll touch on each of the five things as we do. I mean, essentially what happens is entrepreneurs start business, right? And as entrepreneurs where we have a deep empathy for the consumer and, and an understanding of the marketplace, and at a high level, we kind of see an opportunity to plug in a product or a service to address that market demand and, and, and satisfy that consumer need. And, and we're very good at alchemizing in the early years something out of nothing, right? Yeah. And so what drives the growth of the business in the early stages are the things that come really naturally to us as entrepreneurs. It's drive, it's grit, it's improvise, it's alchemize, create something out of nothing, it's break through brick walls, it's cover up the stuff ups along the way, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. get resourceful, right, because you don't have a lot of resources yet. It's all of these things that come really naturally to us. And at that point in the game, the business is of such a size that one person can wrap their arms around it, right, because there might be you know, there's, there's there's a handful of team members and, and there's still a small customer base and all of that sort of stuff. What happens is the, the company grows and the company grows and the company grows and the company grows and it gets to a point where it's now far too large for one person to wrap their arms around it. We're doing more marketing. We're doing significantly more sales. We've got significantly more customers coming through the door uh, and we've got a, a large base of existing customers. The operational complexities are growing there's more cash coming in and cash going out. The invoices that are coming in are larger. The tax bills are larger and the wage wage runs are larger. Uh, and the team has, has grown as well. And so what you inevitably find as a business gets to, let's say, anywhere kind of over that seven, 800 grand a year mark. And, and, and I'm talking seven, 800 grand. Sometimes I see businesses doing $40 million that still fit this description is you find the founder, entrepreneur, CEO, who is really good and highly capable at being an entrepreneur because if they weren't, they wouldn't have got the business to the stage that it's at. Like they've already demonstrated most of the talent required to be a successful entrepreneur. However, they've gotten to a point where because the business has grown, the founder entrepreneur is buried in spreadsheets. They're trying to optimize CRMs. They're putting out daily fires. They're trying to write processes because they think that's what they need for the team to become more productive. They're, uh, you know, putting out people issues on a daily basis. They're, they are so deeply entrenched in the details of the business that they have become operations manager at best and admin assistant at worst. Yeah. And there's a few things that are wrong with that. As entrepreneurs, we're not good at it. <laughs> yes, totally. It's certainly not why we start. <laughs> certainly not why we start a business yeah. to work 70, 80, 90 hours a week and not have a life or a relationship with our families outside of that. Uh, and 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 lastly, and, and maybe most importantly, it's not the it's not the highest and best use for us to contribute to the business. A genius in the wrong position looks like a fool. And so you take an entrepreneur who's a driver and who's great at developing vision, who's great at alchemizing, who's great at leading, mm. and you bury them in spreadsheets. That not not only is the business no longer growing, but but the genius now looks like a fool, and 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 it's not a fun way to live. And so, the whole why people are overwhelmed is because they get stuck in that mode. They don't yet understand that in order to build a successful company, you need to build out a structured organization. Yeah, that has the people and the processes and the visibility and the reporting required such that the founder entrepreneur can elevate up to the position of CEO and eventually even if they like, you know, what I do is I ultimately eventually bring in a CEO. So I'm not even wearing a CEO. I'm, I'm non-executive. 
such that what you have done is you built a structurally sound ecosystem and business that can grow and scale beyond you in a sustainable way. And I think that needs to be the objective of every entrepreneur. And you don't get there by just wanting to get there. There's a whole bunch of skills involved in that. And, and the skills are how to build a company. And they're the skills, as, as we both mentioned it, you know, when you're an accountant, you don't learn those skills. You learn how to be an accountant. When you're a personal trainer, you learn about the body and the physiology. You don't learn how to build a business around the personal training. And so even when you're e-com, right, you might be importing clothes from around the world and selling at an e-com. And, and, you know, some of our most successful sort of success stories at the entourage have done exactly that. They're really good at picking the clothes and selling the clothes. But, but, but the scalable business model around that is what's lacking. Totally. And so for someone in small business who is like, okay, I've got a small team, if, if they're wanting to kind of do, as you say, like step away from that operations in the day-to-day, putting out fires, kind of reactive state, mm. what's the best way to do that? Or what do you think is the first step? Is it hiring someone? Is it like, what does that actually look like? Yeah, it's a really good question. The challenge that you often face with when when you go, okay, Jack, that sounds great. This is a journey I'd love to grow on. Where do I find the time and the money? Yeah, which is a really valid question, yeah. right? And so, and so, it, it, you often can't just go straight into hiring mode, and you know, often that's not sort of conducive with the current reality. The other thing is, you know, there's a lot of American sort of seminars that you go to. They say, fire yourself. Go to the office tomorrow and fire yourself. <laughs> it's like, no, no, you just skipped five years of, of, of really smart work. You just skipped five years. Yeah. And so, and so it, is a, it is a process and it is a journey yeah. and, and there are no silver bullets. But, but I love the way you phrased the question, Lloyd, because you said, what's, what's the first step? The first step is it, it, you, you kind of – you need to understand that, you know, as entrepreneurs, we can wear any number of four hats. We can be the technician, which is the person doing the work. We can be the manager, which is the person managing the people doing the work. We can be the leader, which is leading um, everybody and making sure people are intrinsically motivated to perform, they understand the vision, they understand the strategy, they understand where they're going, they feel supported in being developed to get there. And we can be wearing the hat of the entrepreneur, which is, uh, you know, the person architecting the future. And so, and so we, the, the journey is we want to go from spending 80% of our time in technician and 20% of our time in manager to spending probably 0% of our time in manager because 80% of us entrepreneurs aren't good at it, spending most of our time in leader entrepreneur with like 5% of our time in technician because we want to, not because we have to, right? So that's the goal. Now, yeah, and so how do you go from technician to leader entrepreneur? The first step is you need to understand that continuing to just do the technician stuff isn't going to get there you need to sort of it's it's less about doing more and working harder and it's more about starting to architect your business and architect the growth of your business the first step of that is understanding that every business has six elements right every business whether you whether you b2b whether you b2c whether you're online whether you're offline doesn't matter every business has six elements the six elements are we go out into the world and we generate interest and attention right so that's called marketing uh, that interest and attention walks through the door or drops in the inbox or comes through the website. At that point, it's our job to turn that interest and attention into a paid customer. So we call that sales, right? Second element, sales. We've marketed it. We've sold it. What do we then need to do? We then need to deliver the products we've developed. So the third element is product development and delivery. Everything we do to source or develop our product or service and deliver it, so the entire customer journey, falls under that third element. The fourth element becomes increasingly more important 
as we go up the growth curve, probably as we start to near that kind of seven-figure mark, near the very dollar mark, uh, which is operations. It's the internal workings of the business, um, how well are each of the functions talking to each other, uh, and we have internal processes and procedures and tech that enables the machine to work as efficiently as it can, Yeah. right? And then there's really only one thing left to do, which is count and manage the money. And and I, I say that flippantly, you know, <laughs> the, 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 accurately and meaningfully, yeah. right? And so the fifth element is finance. And so the, you're really only doing five things. The sixth element brings those five things to life. The sixth element is people. So people is our culture, it's our vision, mission, values, it's our management cadences, it's our leadership principles. And so if you start to think about your business through the lens of those six elements, it's through those six elements through which we do our strategic planning. It's through those six elements through which we build our org charts and build our team and build our recruitment schedules. It's through those six elements through which you build the business model. It's through those six elements through which you measure and manage performance. It's through those six elements through which you build your project plans. It's through those six elements through which you build your operational plans. And so if you can just start to think about your business as a production line and it's got those six elements in it, and then you start to think about, okay, well, how strong are we in marketing and sales? How strong are we in product delivery? How strong are we in operation? You can kind of determine, you can kind of audit your business if you like. We've got a tool for this called the Business Growth Profile that walks people through it. And you can kind of audit your business through these six elements. Now, if you're zero to 100k right you're just starting out you probably want to place a lot of emphasis on product development and delivery or service development and delivery um it's all about building something people love if you're 100k to a mil you need to have a focus on sales and marketing while keeping keeping a strong eye on on product market fit as well but it's really about go to market drive growth operations is less important in that stage um we, we want to have a degree of financial management and we want to be responsible from a cash perspective, but having, you know, three-way forecasts that are analyzed weekly, three-way financial forecasts that are analyzed weekly when you sub a million dollars probably isn't the best use of your time. We do yeah. want to have that later, just not at that stage. At that stage, it's go to market, have something great, market and sell, drive, right, drive yeah. growth. And then when you hit that million dollar mark, it then does become about, okay, how do we balance some of these drive growth mechanisms, sales and marketing, with enabling the growth that we're achieving such that it's sustainable? And so how do we start to think more holistically about operations and finance and management principles and leadership principles in the organizations such that as, as we're growing, we're enabling the growth uh, such that it's sustainable? I, I love that because I, I love that you're all about making sure that it's sustainable. I think one thing I, mm. I've heard you say before is that as well that the business owner, founder needs to be involved in the sales and marketing, at least while you're scaling, because they're the things that drive revenue. And I think that mm. is so, that's really helped me to realize, well, what can I outsource first? The last things I'll outsource will be the marketing and sales because for me, it's, love that. it's love like, that that. that's the moneymaker, you know? And so, and I guess, cause we're 100%. in that, that phase of kind of that second phase you're talking about of scaling, you know, the drive phase, but I kind of want to yeah. kind of flick into one thing I love that you talk about and, and I love the way that you speak about vision, because I think a lot of small businesses start their business because they're good at what they do. 
and they kind of go, oh, I don't want to go back to work. You know, I like, I think a lot of the time it's like, I could probably do this on my own. Why not just, you know, I'm passionate about this. Why not just start my own thing? And it seems like vision of the business can be a bit of an afterthought, like, oh crap, uh, you know, when it comes to growing, which way do I want to grow? Do I want to be, you know, an online business or do I want it to be one-on-one still? Do I want to, you know, create a course? There's so many questions. And I think this comes back to that sustainability thing. It can feel like Mm. the pace of things gets so fast and it feels frenetic. Like you feel like you're kind of losing, losing it a little. (laughs) Me personally, I'm like the growth phase stresses me out. Everybody. Yeah. Yes. And, yes. and so I think like coming back to that vision of why are we even doing this? What, what is it that we're really setting out to achieve and how do we want to transform the lives of the people that we serve? So talk to us, why do you think it's so important for people to articulate the vision for their business, even in a small business where it might be just them? Why do you think that's so important? Yeah, Yeah, and I'd even say particularly in a small business, I think the number one asset we have as small to medium-sized business owners is vision uh, and and powerful, impactful vision Uh, because often your larger organisations really struggle to develop something that's not just impactful but also that they authentically embody. Usually, you know, when corporations talk about vision, mission, values, it's like, the cheesy uh, signs we all know in the it. office. Honesty, yeah. integrity, <laughs> yeah, 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 that nobody really talks about or cares about. Yeah. You know, like you take Enron, for example. For those that don't know Enron, they ended up in jail and bankrupt. And uh, number one value was integrity. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yes. And so a lot of this stuff was bastardized by corporate misuse. But I think when approached from a space of authenticity, meaning you actually really care about it and you're actually really wrestling with it. It's not just a, it's not something you're just manufacturing because uh, it sounded like a good idea. It's something you're, you're genuinely trying to discover and develop. Uh, it, 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 it is our number one differentiator. So what is, what is Fusion Mission Values? It was probably back in like 2012, 13. I, I was asking myself a question for a couple of years, like what is it that, differentiates truly great companies from all the other businesses that just look like each other and and don't do anything all that spectacular. You know, like you take the Apples of the world, you take the Teslas, the SpaceX, the the Virgin, you know, uh, what what do they do differently? And the the point I arrived at, uh, again, after wrestling with it for a couple of years was what differentiates them is their DNA. It's who they are. It's not something that they've written down and laminated and put on. It's 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 in literally in the fabric of the organisation. And so it's like, okay, that's 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 a powerful insight. How do I make that more tangible? And it's like, okay, well, what comprises DNA? What comprises DNA for me is vision, mission, values. Vision is what is the difference this organisation can make, and so. When you talk about what the difference this organization can make, I'm not talking philanthropy. I'm not talking we do this and we dedicate 2% of revenue over here. That's not what I'm talking I'm talking about in the doing of this, in the core business that you have right now, how are you improving people's lives? Mm. Because if you are in business, it is because you are improving people's lives. You don't sell home loans. That's, that's not what – I mean, that might be the transaction that occurs, but that's not what, what's going on at a human level. 
you know, you don't just design things. There's 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 something there's something deeper and with a lot greater humanity going on here. Yeah. And so the question is, how do you improve people's lives? And if you were to do that at the scale that you want over 10, 20, 30 years, whatever your time horizon is, what's the ultimate impact you could make? And so vision is something that's not centered on us. It's not to say that setting goals that are centered on us is a bad thing because it's not. It's just not what vision is. Vision is what's the contribution we can make by doing what we do that we genuinely care about that our, if you imagine four concentric circles, actually four or five, that I care about as the owner that my team can care about, that we can enroll our customers in to care about, that our market can can care about, right? And then if you want to take it one step further, then maybe the world might care about it as well. And so we need to tap into that. And 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 the best businesses in the world are vision-driven businesses. Mission is then what do we do every day to ensure we're moving towards the vision as effectively and as efficiently as possible, right? And I'll give you an example of that in a moment. And then values are what are the principles that govern and guide who we are and who we must be along the way. So values is about really bottling what's the culture we want here, what's the attitudes, the communication styles, the beliefs, um, how do we treat each other, what's the feel, and rather than just going, you know, are you an entourage? It's like, no, no, let's define that. Let's try and capture the DNA into really particular unique principles so that we can all and and somebody that's uh, you know going through a recruitment process with us can look at our values and and really get a feel for who we are right yeah and so our, to give you an example of that our vision at the entourage is to move the world forward through entrepreneurship Love right it. it's not centered on us it's centered on we want to help humanity progress and our vehicle to do that is entrepreneurship our mission is um, to give entrepreneurs everything they need which is again that you see that in the business model that i described earlier on to give entrepreneurs everything they need to build great companies and live meaningful lives so everything we do comes back to that every day it's is everything we're doing aligned to doing that because if it is then we'll get there at the vision and if it's not then we won't so so the vision keeps you on track and then the values are as i said the unique principles that mean that when we do achieve the, the vision we arrive still us. We arrive yeah. with our hearts and our heads intact and we arrive still our true selves. I um, love that. And so, yeah, yeah. And so if you can imagine, and, and you're an embodiment of this, Laura, if you can imagine small business owners out there, we have a real opportunity to capture and bottle all of that sort of stuff because we're able to because we're founder-led businesses, right? It's really hard for an Amex Right, as an organization to 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 get everybody on the one page in a way that's truly authentic. Yes. It's really hard for them to do that, right? So it's really hard for corporations to, to bottle it. So yeah, what I find is that the businesses that stand out and the businesses that stand for the whole objective here is how do you stand for more than just the product or service that you offer? Yeah. You know, because Mercedes means more to us than a car. Harley Davidson is more than a motorbike. Red Bull is more than a soft drink it's like if you're riding a harley davidson you're tough right if you're uh, driving a mercedes you're successful if you're drinking a boost juice you're youthful if you're wearing nike um you know there's there's a degree of athleticism about you and and you've got a good attitude if you're uh you know if you've got some apple stuff then you're creative um and so it's about how do you how do you as a brand and as an organization transcend just the products or services that you offer so that you stand for so much more than that. 
That is, yeah, that is so good. And it's kind of like the vision and where I think I see people get the distinction wrong is they think the vision is the goals. So they're like, oh, okay, we want to, you know, reach as many people and this is our target. And it's like, no, it's kind of the essence of the whole business. It's something that, yeah, and I guess if, even if your product delivery changes, you know, the vision still stays the same. So, hundred percent, and that's and, and, and your vision should inform your goals. So I'm not saying don't have goals. Yeah, we we, we absolutely should have. You know, we should have a three year north star as an organisation. Where and who do we want to be in three years time? We should have a twelve month you know ops plan roadmap thing that outlines exactly you know what we want to achieve month on month for the next twelve months. So we do have goals that are focused on us as an organisation because you have to yes. if you want to become great. It's just that that's not what vision is. Vision should be. What's the impact we're here to make? I love that. And what do you yeah. do if you feel yourself getting out of touch with your vision for your business? Yeah, that's such a good question. So there's a couple of things here. Um, your your vision, you have permission to change your vision. Your vision may change and evolve as you do, right? As entrepreneurs, we're very high-growth human beings, and we're leading very high-growth organizations. So while your vision, mission, and values should be, let's say, the most constant thing in your business, meaning they're our ultimate North Stars, and so they are the most constant thing, uh, you may you may find that you change them every now and again. There might be three years, four years, five years, whatever, whatever it might be. So you're allowed, right? This isn't, yeah. it's not a life sentence. It's not like, oh, fuck, Jack <laughs> told me to write down my vision. This is what I want to do for the next 30 years. I've got to be locked in. You know, it's, <laughs> you, you, you still have choice. Yeah. Right? You still have choice. The other thing is, is what I find is that, so I, I break business down into two things, right? You've got dynamics and mechanics. Dynamics is the principles, it's the ethos, it's the feel, it's, 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 it's kind of the philosophies. It's often really, it's often the unwritten stuff but it's often the stuff that you can feel. And then you've got mechanics and mechanics are the operations. It's the, it's, it's, it's what we do. It's the spreadsheets. It's the CRMs. It's the tech. It's the distributing the product. It's the mechanics, right? What I find is that the more somebody is buried in mechanics, the easier it is to become disconnected from the dynamics. Yeah. Meaning if you're, if you're working a hundred hour weeks in the, detailed operations and mechanics of your business it's really uh quite easy to lose sight of and true connection with the feeling the power of the vision and feeling the meaning of the vision and being lit up by it because you're just doing it every single day it's kind of like um i think about music and dynamics in music are like the music gets louder, it gets softer, it's it's played with like a certain style. Mm-hmm. But if you're thinking, oh, I've just got to hit the right notes, like you're just, it yeah. doesn't have the feel to it. So it kind of loses the soul yes. of it a little. I really like that. and I, re- I love that analogy. Yes, yes. And Vision Mission Values, it's the soul, right? And, yeah. and the dynamics is, is the soul. It's, it's a bit more intangible and a bit more recalcitrant, but it's there. Yes. It's there. And, and, and just like music, you've still got to hit the right notes, yes. right? Mechanics, yeah. like they're, they're equally as important. Yeah. You can't just be like, I'm going to be an amazing musician and I don't need to learn the skills or the tactics. <laughs> I'm just going to jump on the piano and start 
start banging it. No, you know, you need to you need to hit the right notes. If and when you're doing that, and if you can bring soul to that, well, then now you're a Beethoven. Yes. Totally. That makes so much sense. Mm. So because we're kind of, we're in this dichotomy of, oh, we're doing, we're doing a lot of that. We're the technician a lot of the time, but then there's this thing of the feel and often the, the un, mm-hmm. the intangible things are what attract customers to you as well. So it's, it's this thing of having this balance um, but in the same way going like not just having a great feeling vision and, and over promising and then kind of the delivery sucks. <laughs> so it's like this. Exactly. This yeah, that's exactly it. hundred percent. Yeah. It's, it's balancing the two. Totally. Ah, man, it's so mm. good. Okay. I have a couple of rapid fire questions for you. I love this. This is good. Love it. Okay. Yes. So good. Now, every time I do rapid fire, I realize that, mm-hmm. that, in the end, it just sounds like another normal question. So we're going to keep them. We're going to keep them rapid. We're going to do rapid fire. <laughs> we're going right. to. We're going to do it. Yeah, you got to okay. do rapid fire, rapid. Jack, or else it's just hot. Yeah, like maybe I need yes. to talk faster. Maybe that's part of it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Okay, success looks like living a life that lights you up so that you can illuminate the world. Oh, that's that's beautiful. That's poetic. Okay. One thing small business owners need to stop doing today? Everything. Meaning stop doing everything. I don't mean do nothing. (laughs) I mean stop doing everything. (laughs) That's good. Okay. What has been the most valuable investment you've made in your business? I feel like I'm breaking the rapid rule now by thinking. (laughs) My my immediate thought was um, leadership and executive team. When you get to a point where you can where you can start to afford bringing on people with as much, if not more, experience than you in each of the functions, so you might bring on a head of marketing or a head of sales or a head of product, and they can bring more experience and more expertise in that particular vertical than you can. It's an incredibly powerful lesson. So I think I think the best investment is always great people. I love that. Okay, final one: the mm. biggest piece of advice that you wish you knew when you started your business. Uh, that building a business is a skill and nobody is born. People are born with the characteristics of being an entrepreneur. You're not born with the capabilities of being an entrepreneur. Nobody, Branson, Steve Jobs, Oprah Winfrey, nobody's born with the skills. You've got to learn the skills. You might be born, bring back the piano analogy, you might be born understanding music and feeling it and, uh, you know, being having a high intuition around it, but you, no one's born a great pianist. You know, you, like it's a skill, and building a business is the same thing. So, I think that as entrepreneurs, we beat ourselves up throughout the journey because, like, I should be better at that. I should be better at that. I should be better at that. And the question is, well, how much time, money, effort have you devoted to developing that skill and capability within yourself? And when you realize that. Everything is a skill. Being an entrepreneur is a skill. Being a CEO is a skill. Developing vision is a skill. Leading people is a skill. Empathy is a skill. Happiness is a skill. Everything is a skill. While you can drop the self-abusive expectations that you may have been carrying up until now and you can just practice building skills. Oh, mic drop. That's so good. 
So, so good. Oh, Jack, thank you so much for joining us. It's honestly such a joy. It's such a joy to talk with you. And I just, yeah, I love what you do. I know, I know. <laughs> it's good. It's good. So what's next for you and the entourage and all the other things you have going on? I, I I think that globally right now there's no sort of category leader or obvious choice as it pertains to business coaching and training and how to scale companies, right? So I think that's the next thing on our horizon is is becoming a global leader in in genuinely uh, helping SMEs drive scalability and sustainability in their businesses. That's we're very very focused on that. I love it. And where can people follow you and find you on the interwebs? Instagram's uh, the best place to start. I'm just Jack Delosa, so J-A-C-K-D-E-L-O-S-A on Instagram. Love it. Well, thank you, and we'll have links to your Insta and your website in the show notes. But it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, my friend. Thanks for joining us. Laura, I need to say that before we started recording, you said that you were new to this or you know, some sort of self-deprecating words that you had around your lack of good. I have done thousands of these podcast interviews and you are very good at this so uh keep going keep shining thank you you're very kind i appreciate it what a wizard that was such a good conversation i'm so feel so happy after that chat now if you want to follow jack head on over to our show notes you'll find all the links to his instagram to his website and all of those things Music from today's episode is by my dear friend, Jake Scott, and you can listen to him on Spotify and Apple Music. As always, thank you so much for joining me. If you love this episode, share it with your business buddies. Let me know what you love about it, and I'll see you same time, same place next week. Go get them.